Hello, hello, hello. My name is Courtney Turner, and you are listening to Bluegrass Community Foundation's Do Good Radio Hour. Today's guests are two of the most incredible women I've ever met. Being around them is seriously like being plugged in to like the most powerful outlet because they energize every room they're in. They are leading a new domestic violence prevention campaign right here in Lexington, and they are allowing our community the space to know about it, talk about it, and do something about it. Here are Lily Rochelle and Stephanie Theakston. official anytime I clap I'm like Ooh. it feels very <laughs> it is very official this is gonna be fun I can tell yes it's so exciting so take a moment just to introduce yourselves tell us who you are and what you do I am Stephanie Theakston I work for the city of Lexington in the Department of Social Services and I coordinate the domestic and sexual violence prevention coalition for Lexington mm. And I'm Lily Rochelle. I started working with Stephanie last year on the domestic violence campaign, It's Time for Lexington, which we'll be talking a little bit about today. Yes. So actually, let's go ahead and dive right into It's Time. This is this has been a thing since November. You all started in November. Tell us a little bit about what this campaign is and what you all are expecting to do with the work that you're doing. Well, I'll just tell you a little bit how it got started. Yes, please. Um, last year in Lexington, there were 14 murders related to domestic violence. Last year? Last year alone. Mm. That was by far a record from mm. any previous year. It was multiple years combined. And so the mayor decided that we needed to do something. The coalition got together and came up with some ideas, and the campaign was one of them. And so that's what the mayor has decided to fund. Um, so we are out in the community. The whole point of the campaign is trying to get people to think about what they can do in their individual lives to help prevent domestic violence. Mm. Yeah, and you know, when Stephanie and I first met and we were talking about this, it was you know obviously a huge undertaking because there's so many different facets to the issue of domestic violence. Yes. So really looking at how are 
ways in which we can empower the community to get involved, stay involved, be active in the community. So there's three elements to the campaign, which is know about it, talk about it, and do something about it. So the first part was really just sort of making a big splash, lots of community members coming together saying, yes, we are a part of this, it is time to do something. Then the talking about it is really a lot of what we're doing now along with creating some content to put out over the airwaves to reach as many people as possible. Um, and then the do something is really what Stephanie was talking about, which is that the big goal for this campaign is by the end of it, we want everybody to feel like there is something that they can do to be a part of the solution. So these don't have to be big, huge things. We welcome big, huge things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we would love for industries to come in and say, we're changing our policy, we're adding a policy, we're updating our policy. Um, but then also individual things. How do you become a, a better community member mm-hmm. when it comes to this issue? How do you stand up and take a active role as a active bystander in our community to say this is not something that just happens between two people behind Absolutely. closed doors. This is like affects the entire community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really what, what we're doing is, is any way we're throwing a really wide net out there and any way we can find ways to engage the community, we're doing it. Mm. Now, I definitely want to get back to those three pillars here in just a second, but I want to go back to that terribly staggering number of 14 murders from last year. There are so many different looks to domestic violence. It's not one particular thing. Can you give us a little bit of background specifically about instances in our community that maybe we should be more aware of? What are some things that we need to be looking out for to help maybe even prevent that cycle from starting? That is an amazing question because really everyone looking out is the only way we're going to prevent it. Um, I think one thing for people to understand is that domestic violence is not something that just happens to other people. It's going on in your faith community. Mm -hmm. It might be going on in your family or your school. So we need to really look at ourselves and where we are and think about where domestic violence might be happening, but also possibly ways we might be contributing to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and it also happens across all races, all genders, all socioeconomic status. I think people do have an image in their mind about what a victim quote unquote looks like. Um, But it really can be anybody. It has nothing to do with personality. Victims can be outgoing, they can be brilliant, they can be funny. Um, That's really the the tragedy of it is that it can happen to anyone. And one of the things, too, that we talk a lot about with this campaign is, you know, okay, so what can I as a community member do to prevent this, like you were saying, Courtney, but um, is really taking a look at how do we treat each other, right? So, like, really bringing this into the individual level. And, like, sometimes a lot of what we talk about with community members at these events is, like, shifting language. Mm-hmm. Like, stop calling women crazy <laughs> or dramatic, right? Like, to be able to sort of, like, just, to like, examine sort of what we are doing in our own spheres of influence mm-hmm. and how that has a ripple effect. Because, 
just like domestic violence, when it's happening, it's having a ripple effect across the entire community. It's pretty amazing how powerful it is when individuals start collectively taking a look at their language and 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 ways that they treat each other and power dynamics. You know, what does this look mm-hmm. like? There's so I've learned so much about the issue since being a part of this campaign. And one of the things is like there's financial control. There is emotional abuse. There's so many things that happen that are that are way more unfortunately normalized in our society to the point where we don't even really see them as part of domestic abuse or domestic right. violence. And sometimes they're the precursors to, to physical violence, but not all the time. Domestic violence is not just physical. So having people really examine this, like, oh, wow, is this an abusive thing that's happening in my home, at my workplace? Um, what can I do? Maybe there's a training. Maybe there's some literature I can read. Mm. How can I be more involved in being a part of the solution? Um, those conversations are really, really rich. And I think that if we are honest about it and we all step back and we look at it, we all play a part in this in some way. So there's this is not about shaming people, right? right. Like this is not about saying, um, you know, this is horribly broken and it can never be fixed. Like, why would we do this if it could never be fixed, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really about saying, like, taking a look, getting honest about how these things happen in our workplace, in our home, and then being able to empower people to do the different thing, which can be hard. Absolutely. I feel like you're about to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie gets Did a you want to jump she in? Gets, she gets very excited. I love it. I'm so sorry. Um, so to answer your question, how can people start to recognize it yes, before yes. it happens? It really, like Lily said, it can be financial control. It can be emotional abuse. But it's really that level of control. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about how we contribute to it, we really mean when we see things that contribute to one person gaining power over another, it might be something like someone putting their partner down or blaming their partner for things that go wrong Mm. that their partner has no control over. And if we don't speak up in those instances, then in some ways we've contributed to condoning domestic violence. And to tag on to that too, because this is a big element of what we're trying to do with the It's Time campaign is is really modeling for people how to do that. What we're finding, and I think you know what a lot of people know, is that most people avoid do, taking that uncomfortable step of doing something different. You know, they'll fall back on, well, that's just the way it's always been, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and really, a lot of times, it's just they don't know any different. And so we're really trying with these conversations and this content to model for people how they can be a part of that change and what that looks like. And that is something that I think is a, a might be lifetime work, but it's worth it because the helping people feel like, oh, okay, now, you know, you if you can see it, you can be it, right? So showing people ways in which they can either have conversations or change this policy or look at those power dynamics in their spheres of influence um, is huge. Mm. Now, those conversations, as important and powerful as they are, they can also be really scary. And when you're talking about, you know, if we're looking at the super minute version of that and just having a one-on-one conversation with maybe your parent or your best friend or your sister or somebody that you think is in one of those relationships, that can be really hard. Absolutely. So one of the things that you can do to help prevent domestic violence is to take a green dot training. And that really helps you think about different strategies um, through which you can approach this issue. Mm -hmm. 
So it doesn't always mean going directly towards a person and confronting them. That might not be safe for you. It might not be safe for the victim. Um, So really, maybe there's another way. Maybe you can ask like a more appropriate person to talk. Maybe that's the pastor at the church or someone's brother that they respect or look up Mm -hmm. to, or maybe their boss. You know, it just really depends. It doesn't have to be you specifically for you to make a difference. I love that. Can you say that one more time? (laughs) It you don't have to be the person to actually talk about domestic violence Mm -hmm. for you to make the difference. You can ask someone else to have that conversation and you have still participated in prevention. I love that. It doesn't have to be you for you to make a difference. Y'all need to put that on a t-shirt. I don't want to tell you what to do, but that feels really nice. Give me like a bumper sticker or something. It's now, a new slogan. Yes. It doesn't have to be you, but we want it to be you. Yes. Yes. Now, how is all of this coming together with its time Lexington? So you have these three pil- pillars. You have all of these resources. What is that going to look like in the next little bit? Well, what we hope for it to look like, again, is that all every resident of Lexington feels as though they have a way to be a part of the solution. So sometimes it's simply just the awareness, right? And that, okay, this is what's going on. And maybe I do, I'm not feeling empowered enough to confront it on my own. So I can talk to my pastor. I can talk to a coach. I can do that. That's that's a great start. Um, but really, we do want people to start to feel like, why do I care about this? I care because I live here. Mm. This is my community. I want a healthier, safer community. And so I'm willing to step outside of my comfort zone to to, you know, not necessarily confront people, but just to confront the issue head on. Right. We really talk a lot. I mean, we just did a podcast um, in the studio about um, leading with love, right? Mm -hmm. These don't have to be big, huge, massive confrontations where, you know, blow ups, they can be, hey, I'm really worried about you. Yeah. You know, what, what, this does not sit right with me. I've seen you act this way and yet I'm seeing this happen. What's going on? Do you Mm want to talk about it? Um, is there anything that, that, that I can do to help support you? I, I think maybe you're in a lot of pain, right? Like there are ways to do this. I have a, a personal belief that, you know, anything can be said if it's said with love. And I think that there is so, an opportunity here for us to look at where we are as a culture with the different um, power dynamics that have been set up historically mm. and say, can I do this different? Can I, can I put us on equal footing and say human being to human being, we all have faults, we all have mistakes, what what is possible in this space to help heal whatever it is that's going on so if it's a relative um, if it's a really good friend somebody that you feel intimately connected to those conversations um, you know on one hand could be a lot easier on the other hand they could be a lot more complicated Mm because you have so much history with people so really navigating that um, is is kind of what we're here to do is to give people the resources Stephanie has done a tremendous job with the website. It has so many resources we on it. We were just talking about that website. It's beautiful. It is so helpful. It's the best. It's the best. And it's got and it's got more to come, you know. So all, all this content that's being created, there are corresponding pieces of information that will go on there so people can have these conversations. They can feel really, really well educated, really knowledgeable, available to have the conversations where they're not just going in blind. But really, we all know how to sit down with another human being and be a little bit less judgmental Mm -hmm. and to be able to say, like, how can I help? 
this looks like a situation where it needs some help. Right. What can I do? Um, a lot of times we find that it's like, it's that question that leads to the action, right? As opposed to thinking, I know what you need, mm. right? Because we all do that. If we can say, what do you need? How can I help? There might be some information that comes out of that. And I think that that's a really important question, that question alone, what can I do, how mm-hmm. can I help, to both survivors and to people that are causing harm. Mm-hmm. So it's not just having the conversation with one or the other. Never have them together at the same <laughs> right. time. Yes. <laughs> but separately, um, even asking someone who you have seen cause harm, what is going on? Why, mm-hmm. why are you doing this to someone that you say that mm-hmm. you love? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know that a lot of times you can look at people who are causing harm and just say, that is a bad person, that the actions are unacceptable, they are unforgivable, they are now in trouble, and that's it. Right. So that, I mean, that's yeah the tendency I fight against as yes. well, yes. but then ultimately that... Um, mindset can lead to victim blaming. So Mm -hmm. it's harmful on both sides. Mm -hmm. Because if you only see this person as a monster or as someone who only causes harm, then it's difficult to understand how domestic violence even happens in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's not like a victim saw this person be terrible and decided, yes, that's what I want in my life. Yes. (laughs) So understanding that they can also be kind Um, friendly, they can be community leaders, Um, they can have just a lot of complex dynamics to them just like any other person Mm -hmm. Um, and understanding that there's a loving side there too and the victim has probably um, experienced that and that's why it's so difficult to leave the situation. So with It's Time Lexington, there are resources for not only people who are being abused, not only people who are wanting to help in a certain situation, but there's also resources for people who know that they are the ones who are causing harm? Well, there are resources out there, but our resources on the website are really focused at people, community members, anyone Mm -hmm. who want to help people that are causing Mm -hmm. harm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really is going to take some community accountability for that person to change. I mean, if you think about a habit that you've tried to break, you know, you're not going to just stop because someone told you to. You have to that habit, whatever it is, has served some purpose for you. Um, that's why you're still doing this behavior. So really there needs to be some outside accountability for that person to begin to want to change that behavior. Mm. And, and this is admittedly, I think everybody that I've spoken to as I'm doing my research um, in the campaign is a gap, right? So we have, um, and it's it's through no fault of anybody because it makes perfect sense, Like. We are so inundated with the um, symptoms of abuse, which looks like the victims, right? Like what happens, like these acute situations Mm -hmm. where it's like, this is an emergency. We need to help this person because they are in danger, right? So the resources, the bandwidth, the time is all dedicated to that scenario as it should be, of course, right? Because we need to help the people that that are in acute danger. The problem that that continues to happen, this is not just Lexington, this is across the board, is that what you're doing is you're just treating the symptoms and and that person mm. that, that, that 
the diseased person, the person causing the harm, when they don't get any help, we're going to be treating more of the symptoms from that issue again and again and again and again. So this is not a Lexington problem. This is a this is what is is going on in our in our culture and there's lots of factors that would probably take 15 podcast episodes to go Absolutely. through. Absolutely. <laughs> but it is something where it's like we we believe and we talk about this a lot with the campaign that through honest conversation, through that community action and that community accountability that just putting this in the in on the tips of the tongues and in the ears of everybody in Lexington, that when they see something the next time, that there will be more opportunity to start addressing things as they start, hopefully and ideally before they start. Um, And so, you know, it is, it's, again, we say it a lot, but it's true. It's a complex, complicated issue. Um, Yeah, that's going to take everybody to solve. Mm. Now, you work for the city. Yes. And this is a campaign that is funded by the mayor's office? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make sure that I got that language correct. Tell me what it feels like to be taking on such a big, I don't want to call it a project, but like just a big movement in our community. Tell me what that feels like. And also, (laughs) can you touch on what this could mean systemically for um, policies in Lexington and the way that, you know, things are handled in the legal processes of things. Can you give me a little taste of what that is? Oh, yeah. It's huge. (laughs) Um, And honestly, I wouldn't be able to do it without Lily. I wouldn't even be able to begin to comprehend how to put something like this together. But it is important, um, you know, and it's not just me. It's the entire Domestic and Sexual Violence Prevention Coalition, which is a lot of people that work in other agencies to serve survivors of domestic and sexual violence. Um, And so it's really the coalition came up with the idea. The coalition is participating in the idea. Um, But we also need volunteers, Mm -hmm. um, if anyone is interested. (laughs) Thank you, Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I would say, you know, we talk about the culture that exists and how it contributes to Um, just the foundation on which domestic violence can occur. And if we start talking about, you know, love, respect, equality, then that becomes our culture. Mm -hmm. And so we're really hoping to shift the culture of Lexington where these conversations don't seem so scary. Mm -hmm. They can become more normal. And the more people that are aware of the situation, the more our politicians are aware that they're aware. And it really does make movement on policy issues, um, legislation, that sort of thing, um, much more palatable. Mm. What immediate needs are you all facing right now that maybe our listeners can jump in and start helping with? Definitely uh, volunteers. Uh, Stephanie was looking over at me and smiling. (laughs) (laughs) These events are plentiful. You know, Lexington is a really active city, and we have lots of events to do. Um, And so tabling an event, um, just getting involved by sharing social media posts, talking about it, you know, really engaging your community um, however you can. So the volunteers are great. And then I think um, 
this might be a good place to throw in our fundraising component, which we are getting ready to launch through the generosity of Bluegrass Community Foundation for hosting the site. We're so grateful for that. The ease with which this organization is making it is, is tremendous. Um, so that's another way to contribute. That's really more part, and that's like part and parcel for the do something about it. Yes. There's lots of ways people can contribute. But I mean, I think that those are really the, the biggest community needs. I mean, for me personally, what I would love to see every community member do is to support the campaign, mm-hmm. um, to to jump in two feet, ready to go, saying, like, I, I am a part of this because I live here and I care about this, and to just support us in whatever way that looks like for you. I mean, I think at this point with the engagement and the enthusiasm that we've seen from the community is it's like there are a thousand ways you can participate we just want you to pick one and do that (laughs) Mm. and before we move into our next segment i want to ask i know that right now it's kind of like a little it's a little bean sprout of it's just been happening since november and things haven't like super taken off yet but you're working on it and it's coming up soon we're all so excited where do you see this in five years 10 years? What does the future look like for you guys? Can you even imagine? We have not <laughs> dared to imagine yes. that yet. <laughs> We're just looking at the next three months. So yes. get there. But no, in all seriousness, um, we do hope that it will spark a change in how we talk about the change in that we do talk about domestic violence mm-hmm. in our community. And if that is something that people can start to feel more comfortable with hopefully in five years it will be continuing Mm -hmm. maybe not that it's time campaign but the impact of it people realizing that in their own lives in the roles that they are already in they can make a difference Um, while volunteering at an agency or taking on a big project is great we're not really talking about doing anything additional we're talking about just thinking about things differently um so if that can start and continue, that would be great. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I also think that where I would love to see this in five years is um, that people feel more educated and empowered. Um, you know, something that we all learned during the pandemic, I think, was a little bit of we were kind of confronted with a lot of things all at once, mm-hmm. and we were at home with a lot of time, right? And so we we got to see an opportunity in many, many different facets of our culture where, you know, I I want to do better. Mm-hmm. I want to do better, you know? And, um, and I think this is a way that the, you know, backed by the mayor and the city and the coalition and all these people to say, like, this is a way that we can do better because really all of the all of the structures everything that we talk about that happen in our society it all starts at home mm-hmm. you know so if we can start really really understanding the the importance of this the like get ourselves educated go read a book we've got lots of books um, <laughs> lots of things you can read go listen to a beautiful podcast you know go have a conversation with a survivor like go get out there mm-hmm. and start educating yourself about ways in which you can be a little bit better. And what we mean by better is just more active in the Mm. solution. And so that, I think, will continue to grow on itself. So every episode, we like to do this thing called BGCF Fast Facts, which is where I ask you a question. And without thinking about it too much, you'll give me the first answer that pops up. Are you ready? Ready? I think I'm ready. Yeah. (laughs) What are you reading right now? Currently, I'm reading Infinite Country. I just finished it. So tonight I'm starting the book list, but um, it was 
fabulous, and I would recommend it 100%. Can you give us a small synopsis of what we're talking about? Yeah, so it's like a historical fiction, but it's like a look at immigration in our country, Mm. and it's got this really amazing through line with like this daughter who sees an injustice. She acts on it, ends up being penalized for that Mm. um, in South America, and then her father gets deported from America, and their journey back to um, her mother and younger siblings. And I mean, it's really beautifully done and it's Mm -hmm. really interesting and um, it's a good story. I love that. It's beautiful. So I read a lot of nonfiction, Mm -hmm. so it's not very fun stuff. But um, Nonfiction can be fun. It can be. Well, so here is a beautiful, beautiful book of nonfiction um, written by Chanel Miller, who was the survivor with Brock Turner, Mm -hmm. the swimmer. Mm -hmm. Um, She wrote um, Know My Name, um, because for a long time she was just Jane Doe or yeah. whatever. Um, but it's, her writing is more beautiful than some fiction I've read. It's mm. She's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, It's on my list. I use the Libby app, so mm-hmm. it's basically through the library. So I've been on wait list for a very long time, so I'm hoping that that comes up soon. What are you watching right now? So we just... <laughs> We just watched um, season two of The Bear. Yes. Oh, yes. And so good. the number, I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but the number of people that have come up to me, or not come up to me, but I've conversed with that have said that that um, family dinner episode uh-huh. hit yeah. a little too close to home. Okay. Like mm-hmm. it, the number, it's too many people to have mm-hmm. said that, you mm-hmm. know, it just. We got to address um, unacknowledged mental illness mm-hmm. and trauma and, mm-hmm. yeah. On a less powerful note, I've not seen The Bear yet. Oh, you oh. have to However, watch it. I love Jeremy Allen mm-hmm. White so much so that I had a dream about him last oh. night. And it wasn't like a weird dream, but we were just hanging out. And I was oh. like, oh, maybe I need to watch it. <laughs> You'll love it. it. The humanity of that show is spectacular. And, like, you actually feel the tension like they just do a, everything about it the we were talking about this in the studio the other day like the aesthetic is its own character like uh, it's kind of gritty it's yeah. really cool but i saw somebody post something about that that said um i didn't know people i didn't know um people knew what grief like mine felt like and then i watched the bear mm. and so there's a lot of people out there too kind of other side of that coin that are like feeling very seen mm-hmm. by having that, that scene yeah. yeah cuz it's like it's really really um it's great well that's just a testament to how very powerful um that episode in particular but the mm-hmm. whole show is mm-hmm. i agree yeah so yeah. good yeah are you watching anything different uh, we just finished the bear. We're watching something called Hijacked on Apple. It's kind of a, it's kind oh, of like a filler. I've watched that. Did you? What do you think? Uh, I think. Well, of course, I love you're just above. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, oh, he's amazing. Yeah. 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 I don't know what this is. It's it's on Apple TV, and it's this guy gets on a plane, and some people try to hijack the plane, mm-hmm. and so at first I was like, how are they going to fill eight? episodes of this. I, I just right. don't understand. We're only like two episodes in, so I still don't have that answer, but it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's really beautifully done. Like the filming uh, and the shot choices are really amazing, um, but it's keeping my attention. I think we are three episodes in, and so I it. I don't know. I'm into it. I, yeah. I, I will I will watch the whole thing. We will watch it. Yeah. Through. Yes. Yeah. See so it it's Idris Elba. Is there any other notable... No, not that I know. Mm-hmm. There's the I think the boy the 
boyfriend back in London. He looks like he's oh, been in something. Oh, he has been. Okay. In. Yeah. I watch so much British TV, though, yeah. so I assumed he <laughs> was from one of those yeah. I love it. shows. <laughs> so, yeah, he yeah. has been in stuff. Yeah. What are you listening to right now? Okay. Podcast plug. I have to throw this out there. Uh, the podcast Hidden Brain. Mm. Have you guys listened to no. that? Um, Shankar Vedantam is the reporter's name, and he's just an amazing reporter. He's got a two-part series right now. The first one is The Paradox of Pain, and mm-hmm. then the second one is The Path to Enough. And it's examining sort of like why we're – like basically in what I heard – why we're sick as a culture, oh. right? And what where it comes from and what's actually happening in the brain. He's just a fantastic storyteller and he gets really high quality guests. But it's a two part series and I cannot like literally if you put if you gave me a podium right now, this is what I would talk about. Like I think it is <laughs> right. incredible content and um I I can't get enough. Oh, do you want to yeah. give that a shout out one more time? Yeah, Hidden Brain. Hidden Brain. Hidden Brain. Okay. Two part series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm listening mostly to female vocals, and genre matters less than mm. the fact that they're female. Oh, were we talking music? Was I supposed to have a music? No, question? I know either one. Yes, but I don't have that many podcasts that I'm dedicated <laughs> to. So um, no, I only think. the Do Good Radio Hour. Right. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> um, have you watched Barbie? Oh yes. Okay. Have you listened to the soundtrack? No, but I really enjoyed it in the theater. It's really so, good. Yeah. It's really good. It's not what I was expecting at all, but it really, I mean, it is so fun. It's really good. I'll look it up. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet? No. Oh, you got to go see it. Oh, yeah. it's magical. You're going to love it. Yeah. It's magical. What are you eating right now? I made a pot roast on Sunday. Delicious. And Literally. so we've been eating on that for a few days. So good. I feel like a little old lady when I make my pot roast. <laughs> it's also a billion degrees outside. So the first thing I think of is not pot roast. No, I know. But I'm never going to turn it down. Well, I like so the good. big fact. Like, my favorite yes. part about it is the carrots. Like, just yes. in there. Oh, they're so good. So if I could just pick the carrots out, which is largely what I do. Yes. Delicious. That's hilarious. I didn't picture you as a pot roast type of person. <laughs> I don't know what a pot roast person is, but it wasn't you. I don't know. I got this like sort of 1950s housewife vibe going yeah. on the other day where I was like, yes. I want to I wanna make a pot roast. And I don't know if I've ever made a pot roast. And this was a few months ago and I made it. It was really good. It was actually really easy. And then, you know, you can put it over some rice. It's a, it's a great thing to yes. take for lunch. So it's like, it, I don't know. I'm kind of into it. It's versatile. Like you can sure. kind of do a bunch of different things with it. But yeah, officially a pot roast gal. I do. I do put my apron on. I don't yes. wear any high heels or anything. But I do like go full bore into it. I love it. That's hilarious. Um, I have been eating a lot, a lot of beans and rice. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to get some things out of my diet for uh-huh. a while to see how I feel when I bring them back in okay. and. Every day, it's less of a struggle, so that's good. Yeah, and it's like, you know, getting creative and finding new things. I did find a really good... Um, red, not red beans and rice, but beans and rice cookbook. Oh, so I'll yeah. Say, yeah, I'll send you the link. You can tell me if you like it. I'll, Wonderful. I'll get it. Also yeah. put then, me on that list. Okay. I would love that. We were at a party and Lily um, brought some beans and rice things mm-hmm. just for me because she's <sighs> a lovely human being. She's a great friend. Um, they I mean. Out- Lots of people ate them. But, <laughs> but they were for you. Yeah. I want you I, it's very important to me that people have stuff to eat. Yes. It makes, it makes yes. me very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and they were delicious. So um, she's told me how to recreate that. So. Oh, so good. What are you most scared of? <sighs> so, 
You know, usually my answer is death. I'm trying to think. I think it's just separation from someone that I love at a time when they need me. Oh, mm. that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm just sort of self-manufactured anxiety. But. <laughs> no. no, I mean, I think it's that a real thing. Some, mine's along those lines, too, of just like, I don't know, missed opportunities or like, I just, I, I know this sounds a little chaotic, but like, like that, you know, we're past the point of no return and that we're not going to be able to correct some of these mm-hmm. things that we have mm-hmm. created as a culture. So just sort of like, I don't know, I get, I, I, I get really afraid for our our younger generations, mm-hmm. and I try not to because I feel like that's not productive, and it's like it's way better to be hopeful. But like, just kind of like, I don't want them. I don't want what we've created to be such a mess for them no. that they don't get to. I don't know, thrive. Absolutely. Right. And I was thinking the other day, um, just how lucky my generation is to have lived in both like the more analog mm-hmm. and digital age. Yeah. My son doesn't have that mm-hmm. reference, you know. He's Mm -hmm. not, I mean, we make him read, but he's more (laughs) likely to pick up a a gaming device than a book. Mm -hmm. I think that's where my existential crisis starts to come in, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, I, there are so many different things that need to be changed and need to be worked on. But I'm also like, how does it, how is it even possible to now and it's not even backtracking, it's moving forward, but mm-hmm. how do we get everybody to move forward at the same speed so that we're you know, truly making a difference? I start mm-hmm. to really spiral when I think about it. I, do, yeah. I mean, it is some, yeah, I think that's like, for me, it's kind of, I have to be intentional to not yes. let myself do that because I mean, I can get really dark really fast. Yes. And, and then it takes away from the ability, in my opinion, it takes a, away from the ability to like actually be present and do good work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you talking about climate? All of it. So I mean, many so yes. many things. There's like, you know, I think politically I get a little nervous about things. I just get nervous yeah. about um, our ability as a, I get afraid that we're not going to be able to reach our potential as a society um, to work together. Mm. So the thing that um, brings me back from that brink is, <laughs> is thinking about, um, you know, we've we've been through this before mm. and the world has... Um, rallied around the side of good and um maybe we can do it again yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. it's time it's time <laughs> i love it i'll throw I it in there love it. <laughs> <laughs> on the flip side of that what are you most proud of oh god i know um hmm I don't know. I'm a. I'm proud. I'm the most proud of my relationships and my ability to that I'm here. I know that sounds really kind of crazy, but just sort of like the ability, like that. What is that meme that goes around? It's like you have survived a hundred percent of everything you've been through. You know, yeah. like it's sort of like getting through everything that we all get through to get here. Like I'm proud of that. I've survived my life, and that I'm here, and that mm-hmm. I'm still breathing, and that I'm able to. Um, you know, show up and, and be there for, for somebody, be a friend? Mm. Um, I would say two things. Um, one, just the circle of friends. I mm-hmm. guess, like you said, relationships. Um, there's just such a good community of people here, and I feel proud, but also very, very lucky to have chosen the friends that I've chosen, mm-hmm. and um, I'm just grateful for that. And then the second thing is just my child Mm. that's 
maybe stereotypical, but he's outstanding. Mm-hmm. He's it's so much fun to see what a creative, caring, thoughtful, athletic kid he is turn well, person, adult mm-hmm. that he's turning into. How old is he? He just turned 13. So I think we might be on the verge of the bumpy road. Yeah. But but hopefully it'll be as fun as the first 13 years have been. I just had a guest in here earlier this morning, and she brought her 13-year-old son. And I was like, how's it going? And she said, terrible. (laughs) Oh, good. really bad. (laughs) But we're hanging in there. And I was like, great. Love that. (laughs) Who do you look up to? I, there's a woman in my life. Her name is Michelle. She is my greatest role model. She is somebody that grounds me um, really, really quickly and um, genuinely. She mm-hmm. kind of anchors me to myself, mm-hmm. and I feel, um, yeah, that's who I look up to the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's back to my community. You know, I have mm-hmm. um, three mentors that I'm thinking of right now, and they're older women that have done this work for so much of their lives and have really just continue to show me how to um, walk through certain roles with grace. Mm. So um, I would say them. They're local. Mm-hmm. They're very special. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> what are you most looking forward to? October? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, you know what I'm really looking forward to, just to bring it back a little bit to the, the topic at hand, like I'm really looking forward to seeing um, some of these conversations we're having and some of this stuff around domestic violence, watching that shift and change. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am like, I know that sounds probably like a, a talking point, but it's very genuine. Like I'm kind of really excited. We're in it right now and mm-hmm. we're doing it right now, but I'm really excited to see what's on the other side of this. I'm deeply looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm excited. We, um, again, talking point, but we have created, (laughs) Lily has created such good content, and I can't wait until that starts getting pushed out, and I Mm. hope people do talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Why do you love our community? I think there's a lot to love about Lexington. Um, I think we're very... The word I heard somebody say that I think is great is neighborly, mm. right? Like there's sort of a sense of if you're trying to do something, and I've had this experience, it's like you, you know, there's there are people that want to help you here. You know, it's very, um, it's also growing. Mm-hmm. I think it's very much like improving every day. I have, you know, when people that have lived here before and they come in town and they see it now, they're sort of like, wow, you know, Lexington's really growing. Mm-hmm. And I see that. I see that a lot. I see it in different ways. Um, you know, I think I think we're a city, like we're kind of growing up as a city. Oh, and I and I feel like and I feel that sometimes. And and, and I and I'm I'm really proud of that. I'm, I love living here. It's a really great way of life. And the people, I mean, flat out the people in Lexington are the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so just this morning, actually, I was driving through downtown and saw this um, just independent shop. And I thought, you know what? This is what I love. Um, and it's what I've loved about other cities that I've lived in who that have become so popular that now no one can afford to live in them. <laughs> um, but just the continual creativity, um, the little bit of resistance that people have to um, the status quo, it's... It's nice. Mm. Why do you love yourself? 
I think I kind of answered it earlier, but just the resiliency, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's like I see it in in all of us. But, I mean, I, I just, I love myself because I'm here. And what's the alternative, yeah. you know? It's not, it doesn't, I've lived, I've spent years hating myself, and it just didn't, um, it was not a productive exercise. Did so nothing. Did nothing. <laughs> nothing helpful. Yes. Wasted a lot of energy, <laughs> yeah. you yes. know? So I love myself because I'm alive, and um, I get to be here. Mm. Yeah, that's what, I mean, basically, I'm still going through that journey, but um, I would say just being able to experience joy and laughter and um, just general happiness. I don't so much like the sad parts, but yeah. um, yeah. Somebody told me once, and I think this is super relevant across the board, but it's like, you know, if you look at the yin-yang symbol or if you look at a beautiful tree, it's like you can't have the light without the shadow. And mm. so if I am trying to deny the darkness, I'm also going to squash the light. Absolutely. And, that, and it's yeah. just, I love, that. I love that too, because it's really helped me kind of settle into this whole deal of it's like, yeah, there, I'm going to have bad days. There are parts of myself that I will continue to work on because I don't think that they're you know, quite where I want them to be. But at the same time, it's, it's like, I got to love them because mm-hmm. I don't get to have the good, the good stuff without that. So you can't shut one part of yourself down. When you shut it down, you shut it all down. And then that's kind of, um, I don't know, it doesn't help anybody. And And also how fun that you're like giving yourself space to continue to grow and change and let these things flourish. Always. Mm -hmm. So good. Last question. Hmm. Where can people learn more about It's Time Lexington? How can people get in touch with you all? Give us all of the goods. All right. You There's a go? lot. You want me to go? Okay. <laughs> there, there is a lot. I mean, mainly the the website I would say is the most informative, um, kind of direct source that we've got. It's timelexington.org. Stephanie and her team have done an amazing job. It's super comprehensive, and there's a ton of resources on there. Um, we really, really, really. I know it sounds kind of silly, but we would love to get our social media numbers up because mm-hmm. we are a, that younger audience is very important to hit. So on social media, it's Time Lexington on Facebook and Instagram. And now we're on threads. Hey, because hey. we're, we're so forward thinking. Yes. Um, you know, and so and they can they can call the city. They can call the Domestic and Sexual Violence Prevention Coalition. Um, if they have any content or campaign questions, I'm happy to help them in any way. But really, if you search it, it's You'll pretty, find it. pretty easy to find it. Yeah. And have we released when the podcast is happening? Is the podcast happening now? August 8th. August 8th. August 8th. Yeah. On okay. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And um, we're waiting on the approval for Google Podcasts, but it'll probably be on Google Podcasts as well. Is it called It's Time Lexington Podcast? No. Oh. Okay. It is called It's Time to Talk. <laughs> so good. So good. Mm. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Diane. <laughs> Ladies, thank you all so much for being here. You all are the best. And I just love being able to know you and be around you and be in your circle. So I appreciate you spending time with me today. Well, you're wonderful at this. You make yeah. it Thanks. easy. So thank yeah. you. Thanks. All right. We'll see you next time. All right. Thank Bye. you, Courtney. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Do Good Radio Hour, brought to you by Bluegrass Community Foundation. We'll be back next week right here on Radio Lex, or you can listen to us anytime on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at BGCFKY, or visit us at BGCF.org to stay up to date on all of the latest giving and do-good opportunities in our community. Until next time, I'm Courtney Turner. Do good and be well.
You are listening to the Do Good Radio Hour on Radio Lex, WLXU 93.9 LP FM Lexington. Our theme song is Happy Tune, written and performed by Brother Smith. The views expressed on this podcast are not necessarily the views of Radio Lex, its board of directors, or Bluegrass Community Foundation. The views expressed are solely my own and the guests'.